Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bare Necessities podcast. This week, we're going to be doing our post-draft reactions. Uh, with me, of course, is my co-host, Reese. Reese, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I feel like our technical issues, which are, of course, very common, um, you know, I help, I feel like it helped me soak back in, you know, the whole draft, kind of get to think back over it again as well. Um, and you know, I will say even before we get into the picks, I definitely felt like, you know, last time we recorded, you know, I was happy with the results, you know, I was happy with who the bears ended up picking. Uh, but I think at the same time, you know, I was like, ah, oh, we're really missing that edge. You know, I felt terrible about it, but you know, now I'm able to settle down a little bit, look back at it and, you know, feel like we really collected some, some great talent, um, some players, with some really high ceilings and also some players I think that are ready to come in and make an immediate impact, um, which I think, you know, that kind of variability is the sign of a, of a pretty healthy draft. Yeah. And I think we're officially in the part of the off season as well, where like, I've seen every single team's fan base like slowly fall in love with their draft. So we're we're in the good part, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I saw, you know, or like everyone, and th- this is such an NFL cliche. And like, I mean, man, we've been doing this for a long time. I was just thinking about the other day, like what, like five years now, six years now. It, it's kind of crazy how long we've been doing this and how you kind of notice trends and the trend like in the you know couple months up until training camp is every team's always in love with their team's offseason no matter how it is and I've even seen that from teams that have like done pretty much nothing like the Packers for instance and uh, I know I sent you on Twitter today you know there's a lot of good uh, you know NFL insiders and uh, you know I made them the last podcast the declaration that we are officially insiders now <laughs> um, I'm, I, that term is so loosely thrown around that I think that you know from now on I'm, I'm gonna you know call us insiders um, where are we inside of I don't know you figure that out um, we can't we're so we're actually so much so far on the inside we can't even tell you where, where we're at <laughs> yeah um, but but I've seen some Packers uh, fans and particularly like the love for the Jordan love, man. It's uh, it's officially here, right? Like Packers fans have, are, are accustomed to it already. And I, I just remember I saw a tweet today that was like, you know, love so strong through the middle. And I made the comment to you, Reese, that Packers fans have created their entire identity of Jordan love based on one play to Christian Watson in the in the. Eagles game, which were where he passed it ten yards and then Watson took it to the house. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's that's the truth. I mean that has to be one of the plays that I've I've seen the most. I mean I kind of feel the same way. You know, it's been like a bloodbath as far as on social media. I think this off season uh, between like the Lions fan base, uh, Bears fan base, and of course the Packers. Of course, no one gets along. Um, but yeah, I think that I've seen that pass the most along with, uh, the, the bomb to and Keel Harry from Justin Fields, you know, everyone's going at okay. each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think, uh, what was I going to say? I, I do think that you, you are right in the point that we are kind of at the point where we are looking at the draft and, you know, it's like, all right, you know, definitely falling in love with it. Other teams. I feel like every team has found their analyst that backs up that their draft is, 
you know, was sufficient, was good enough. You know, I've seen plenty of, oh, you know, the Lions have had the best draft and just a bunch of a bunch of stuff. And yeah. uh, I, I think that I can solidly say, though, you know, it's tough to remove bias from this particular podcast. I mean, we are a Bears podcast, but I do think that I'm not going to come out here and stand up and say, you know, the Bears had the best draft. I think, you know, at least top seven, probably. I do think that we got a lot of value. Um, and I think that looking at it, from a very broad perspective, I'm happy that Ryan Poles approached it as, you know, a good hybrid between need and best player available where he deferred to the best player that was on the board and didn't mind playing or uh, getting a couple players that, you know, maybe even their exact role isn't quite figured out, but they just want to get them in the building for, for their talent uh, and their ability. Yeah. And like the big thing with this draft that I have to say, and like, you know, I've seen this floated around quite a bit is like this, like the results of this draft are kind of yet to be seen completely. And not only in the sense that we haven't seen the players, but also we got a first and a second round pick. So a first round pick next year, second round pick in 2025. And that's dialed into this draft in a way, you know, like that can not be included because we start off with that first, you know, first overall pick. So like, well, it might look like, I, I mean, I get it. This isn't the most, I'm not going to say this is the most exciting Bears draft, right? But this, I think, could be easily one of the best in terms of like, in, a, in a, the past couple of years, in the terms of like smart decisions, you know, like w- immediately when you go, you know, offensive tackle and then two defensive tackles and a cornerback, that's not in your first four picks. I mean, that's not splash. You know, that's not going to be like, I mean, None of these guys realistically will win a MVP offensive player of the year or, you know, potentially even, you know, it's kind of rare for defensive tackles or cornerbacks to win, you know, defensive player of the year or anything like that. So, like, I get it. None of these players are going to be like super splashy names, but they're integral to building a solid foundation to a team. Um, and I think that overall this draft was one about in a very smart manner, even if it's not the sexiest draft, you know, and I think kind of similar, honestly, to, to Ryan Poole's draft last year, to be honest, like it wasn't really a sexy draft, but it was, it was a smart draft. Um, but yeah, man, do you want to just get into the picks or do you have any comments on that? Yeah, no, I mean, just to build off of that, I think that, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head is that ultimately I think that, you know, there were some misses in last year's draft, but I do think that the hits, um, not not to uh, you know touch on Eberflus's principle of hits, but I do think the hits in the draft um, last year did outweigh the misses, and I think also to just where they found value. I do feel like Brisker was a great pickup. Um, of course, there was a lot of talk about you know go ahead and and not picking someone like George Pickens when they're available uh, in the prior year. That was something that caused debate. And I think rightfully so. Um, And then also, you know, we can't talk enough about Braxton Jones, you know, to get to at least have a left tackle that you drafted in the fifth round that you're even considering, you know, is he, is he adequate to be a long-term left tackle? I mean, even if you're at that point for a fifth round, fifth round tackle that you take and, I mean, you, you you did well with that pick. So I, I think that's ultimately how I expect a lot of these players to pan out as well. And, you know, they had a lot of picks, and I'm sure not all of them are going to are gonna stick. <laughs> yeah, and of course. And, you know, that's kind of, the I would say, like the benefit. The thing that I have to say, like, 
Last year, especially for not having a first-round pick, I think the overall was a huge success. You know, you get two DBs that you feel really good about. You get a left tackle that, I mean, I don't even think it's really debatable that he had the best season of a rookie tackle. I mean, maybe you can throw in Charles Cross there with uh, the Seahawks, who had a pretty good, uh, pretty good season in and of, in and of himself. Um, but, I mean, Braxton Jones, I mean, statistically... Um, he had the best season and he was on the worst offensive line out of all these guys. So, uh, not to say that he's not, he doesn't have his faults, you know, like I think it was pretty clear that he needs to learn how to, you know, stand his ground against the bull rush a little bit more. And, um, you know, he experienced his own rookie struggles. Uh, like I think we'll, we might see a little bit out of the, our first player on, on the board <laughs> and all these players actually, but Let's go ahead and get into it, man. The first pick, uh, obviously, the Bears. They start off with pick number nine. They sell it to the Sea, or uh, sorry, the Eagles. Uh, they sell the Eagles, Jalen Carter, right? And then we I'll go ahead and we move down to pick ten, get an extra fourth round pick, and pick up Darnell Wright. Just before we get into the actual pick, I want to know how you kind of felt about you know the Jalen Carter debacle because I know a lot of Bears fans were. It was honestly funny to see it switch up where all of a sudden everyone was, you know, screaming for Jalen Carter, you know, including us to an extent. And then all of a sudden our draft night, we're like, great move, <laughs> you know, <laughs> smart move by Ryan Poles, you know. Yeah, I think that, you know, with the Jalen Carter situation, it is something that we're definitely going to have to look back upon. Uh, and I do think that he was definitely a talent that it, it just it hurts passing up on him because it looks like he would be an excellent fit. Um, right into the Eberflus scheme. Uh, I think that he would just slot in very well as the three technique. And, you know, he would be a franchise player that you sit there and, you know, Bears fans will look back upon like someone like Tommy Harris and, and the role that he played uh, Lovey Smith's defense back in, back in the 2000s. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, Poles is someone that I, I feel like it's taking calculated risks. I think if there are too many red flags, um, you know, at least he doesn't feel comfortable with where this team is at right now uh, to go ahead and pull the trigger on someone where he feels like the bus potential could be a little bit higher than uh, what they're comfortable with. And not because of the football player that he can be, but maybe behavioral. I know a lot of people look down upon um, how he performed at his pro day and things like that. So I can't overall blame Ryan Poles too much um, for passing him up. And I, I do think that, you know, going out and taking Darnell Wright um, was was a good a good next move and complement to the trade with the Eagles to just move back one spot. Um, but yeah, not sure 100 percent how you felt on it, Austin. But I, I think that it's something that in a few years, hopefully, we don't have to look back upon and be like, ah, that was a mistake. And, you know, I don't even know if we'll ever even be able to truly, you know, compare. Obviously, if Jalen Carter just is awful and gets into character concerns immediately, we can be like, oh, man, dodged a bullet. But even if he turns out well, I'm not entirely sure that we can even directly translate that. So that would have happened with the Bears, too. You know, and I, I said this in the, our episode that never ended up airing because of technical difficulties. But the Eagles and the Bears are like literally in polar opposite place, places right now. The Eagles have such good defensive talent with a lot of really strong veterans um, on that defensive line, on their offensive line, on their team in general, and then also a good amount of young talent on their defensive line um, and defense in general as well. And Jalen Carter to the Eagles, to be honest, is like just another name right now. You know, like I'm not saying that he's 
bad in any sense, but the Eagles are so talented and they've already kind of established their faces of their franchise that he kind of blends in with that team. Whereas if the Bears draft Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter is the face of the Bears franchise outside of like Justin Fields and like DJ Moore. And like, he's the face of the defense for sure. I don't even think there's like really anyone you can compare, like maybe Eddie Jackson, but that's kind of like the only, you know, definitely the face of the defensive line. Right. So, and also like the Eagles, we need to remember they got that pick alone by executing just like a crazy trade where they ended up, you know, getting that pick and they're, they were in the Super Bowl and they have a top 10 pick and, you know, I think for the Eagles, that's that's a free pick to them to begin with. You know, like they they don't have they don't like if the, that pick doesn't work out, that's a free pick. They don't need to worry about it too much. But if the Bears mess up on this pick, you know, it's it's kind of crucial in Justin Fields' development. It's kind of a crucial time in the rebuild. Um, it's just two completely different situations. And you know, as the Bears insiders we are, I'll say this little tidbit that I've kind of heard. I've heard the story isn't necessarily over with Jalen Carter either. And I think that we've seen a couple things like today. There was a lawsuit that came out. I don't know if you saw it, Reese, um, but Jalen Carter was named in a lawsuit and uh, also uh, uh, some concerning videos that surfaced on the Internet. So um, I'm not sure the story will be over there. Yeah, and I think he's kind of just going to continue to be under a microscope, at least until, you know, we get to game time, because I think that there are a lot of just eyes that are watching to see how he will react. And I think that he was already in a tough situation, um, you know, with having to plead for, you know, what he did during the combine, the charges that were put against him. Um, And I think that, you know, ultimately, I hope for him that he can, you know, move on and just, you know, have the, have a good NFL career because he certainly has the talent to do so. Um, but you know, it, there's only, you know, there's only so much you can do to help him, And, you know, hopefully, um, you know, at least he does what's in his control to, to keep him on the football field and, <laughs> you know, we'll leave it at that, but I'm sure there's gonna be plenty of eyes yeah. that are, that are on it, you know, moving forward. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't spiral out of control like something like the Delsha, uh, the Deshaun Watson uh, situation. Absolutely. And the one, honestly, the one thing that I think kind of confirms what the Bears were thinking in trading down that really sticks with me is that the fact, the fact that the Seahawks didn't take him at five. Um, the Seahawks have been known to take some risks on character concerns players and they, you know, they tend to keep them on the right path, but it's almost a little bit concerning to me that, you know, if um, if Pete Carroll doesn't view that he can, you know, keep the situation under control, I don't know why a rebuilding Bears team would think so. Uh, but should we go ahead and move on to the actual pick, Reese? Let's do it. Yep, let's get into it. All right, so with the 10th pick in the NFL draft, you know, the commissioner came up, said Darnell Wright. Um, I'll be honest. I was initially a little surprised by it. Uh, I, you know, I heard there was some hype around, you know, Darnell Wright going into draft day, but I wasn't entirely sure if the bears were willing to, I guess, spend that pick on a player that's kind of dedicated to what it seems like the right side of the line. Um, but overall, I mean, my main take on Darnell Wright is, and I think this is a hundred percent fair to say, he was the most dominant tackle at his given position in the draft. Um, 
the concern is is that he you know while he did play decent at left tackle um definitely the other players at the top of the draft so we're talking Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson uh showed a lot more upside there um but Darnell Wright was a flat out dominant right tackle at Tennessee and to me more so than the you know I as soon as we picked Darnell Wright I'm like okay well that right side is going to be locked down for a long time but it not only kind of signified that to me, but it signified to me that we have a lot of faith in Braxton Jones turning out to be that left tackle. Yeah, I think it's certainly a statement in that, right? And I think that with uh, Darnell Wright, I think, you know, out of that group that you had listed out, I think he almost has one of the most certain floors, like you had said, at, at his position yeah. as well. Like, I, I, there's not a doubt in my mind that, you know, Darnell Wright's going to be ready to go start at right tackle for at week one. <laughs> you know, I, I would be totally surprised mm-hmm. otherwise if he didn't. Um, so he's certainly not a player that's that's a project. And I think that, you know, it's really just about honing in his skills. I think Ryan Poles is going to get him a little bit um I guess a little bit lighter to say, I don't exactly what the right word. Yeah. There's going to be some weight shutting going on with him. I believe he'll probably be in like the 325 range. I think he was around 335 at the moment, um, or at least mm-hmm. as like a couple of days ago during rookie mini camp. Uh, so I think that, you know, he's someone that comes in definitely just a physical guy mauler. I think that not only can you do, you know, run, run blocking, uh, with success. Um, like you said, also had, uh, experience playing left tackle at Tennessee where he didn't play bad, but you know, pass protection on the right side was, was perfect. Uh, great use of his hands. I think just has good use of his size as well. I mean, it's one thing to have, uh, the size that he does, um, but also know how to use it in your benefit and still have the feet to get out into space quickly, uh, especially, especially against, you know, the fast edge rushers that we see today. And, uh, I think that really he's going to be a, a cornerstone of our, of our offensive line, even though he's at right tackle. Yeah. And he, his best comp is like a Pene Sewell where he's got, he's an incredible athlete. I mean, he played at 350. So he's just, you know, 6'8, 350. I mean, just a massive right tackle. Again, like at the combine, I think he got down to like three, 335. Yeah. Uh, and then like I, I, we even insinuated it on the last podcast. And I think, uh, the Bears offensive line coach and Luke Getzey kind of confirmed it that we he they we, he expects his playing weight to, with the Bears to be a little bit lower than that even um, just based on the scheme, uh, but someone that can just I mean his I would say his best trait is like even when he like loses in the hands battle which is not very often his anchor is just so damn good that he can just absorb pretty much all contact all technique. He is, he has a great kick step. He is really good technically, but his pure size and strength and, you know, mauling ability really makes it difficult that even when he's losing technically, like when he's losing the hands battle, he still kind of wins or he wins enough that it doesn't cause a sack. I mean, he didn't give up a sack this past year. I don't think he gave up, uh, many sacks the year prior. Um, you know, just a talented player. I guess the big criticism here that you can have is like not not the sexiest position, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're getting good players and you're stacking good players, 
I, I don't necessarily, you know, I think this is a win. Like the Bears didn't need to shoot for the stars and get a Jalen Carter to win with this pick. They already got an additional second round, two additional second round picks, an additional first round pick and DJ Moore with this pick. All they needed to do, you know, all Ryan Poles needed to do was to hit a double. And I think that's exactly what he did here, uh, which is why I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give this pick, you know, a flat out A minus. Like I, I like it. It's not the sexiest pick, but I think like long term, he's going to I think he's going to be here for like 10 years. Yeah, I for me it's a, it's a solid A. Um, I think that, um, like you said, he's someone that's going to be in here for the long haul. I think he's probably going to have an impression on this Bears offensive line that is a least of that of Kyle Long, uh, who I think is a personally a fan favorite. Um, so I think you know it's hard not to give it anything but an A. Um, and you know if Paris Johnson was possibly there, it'd certainly be an A plus. Um, but you know, obviously that talent was seen, and he went you know way before the Bears could pick him. And uh, yeah, I think Darnell Wright was was a great next guy to pick up after him. All right, well let's go ahead and move on uh, to our second pick in the draft, round two, pick fifty three, and that's Jervon Dexter Senior. Uh, this seems to be the most heavily I would say criticized pick potentially uh, of this Bears draft. Uh, Javon Dexter, obviously massive, six six, um, built, you know, freak athlete, uh, five star recruit coming into college, and uh, he played at played at Florida. And I would say the best way to describe his career there is it it was good in flashes, but a lot of Florida fans think it wasn't as great as it could have been. Um, a big reason for this is because uh, Florida's kind of been just all over the place coaching wise. Um, you know, there's been, I, I think Jervon Dexter played under two different coaching staffs, if I remember correctly. Neither have been that great, if we're being completely honest. Um, but he's been loyal to the team. And, you know, his role with the team is a lot different than it'll be here with the Bears. Um, and I think we'll get into it. But uh, overall, you know, I think that the it's an complete upside pick. Um, the big concern, obviously, and this has been literally hammered into the ground time after time again, is the get off. Like, yep. Con- concern, you know, he's, he's slow off the snap. Um, and there's reasons for that, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't, it wasn't, it's not my a hundred percent favorite pick, but I still like the player a lot. And the upside is, you know, him potentially being a top of the league defensive lineman, you know, so huge upside there. Yeah, and I definitely, definitely understand what you're saying. It wasn't necessarily um, my favorite pick in the draft either. Um, with that being said, I know you had brought up his get off and, you know, actually uh, I'm happy uh, that I saw, I saw it, you know, kind of in between the technical difficulty recording. And now I know that he had at least made a comment that, you know, that was something that was on the second Florida coaching staff that you had mentioned uh, about, you know, that being something that he had to handle during his time at Florida was the changing of schemes that, you know, one of the coaching staffs had asked him to, I guess, delay his get off like that. Like it was part of the scheme. Um, and if you go back to his sophomore season, um, then you can kind of see a little bit of that quicker get off, a little bit quicker burst at the beginning of plays. Um, so I think that, you know, in the case of Jerron Dexter, I think it's interesting just to see because he certainly seems like someone that isn't fully refined. I know at the bare minimum um, that he's going to be great in stopping the run. So that's why personally, and it's oh, yeah. a lot to kind of 
you know, I think that, you know, we'll have to see how Eberflus and, you know, um, how the rest of the coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball wants to exactly fit him in. Um, but I do see him possibly being a one technique. Um, I know that, you know, he's obviously not the only defensive tackle that we took in this draft. Um, so I'm not going to go ahead and, and talk about hypotheticals, but I do know that, yeah, he can definitely stop the run. And it's just going to be about how much uh, he can develop and kind of getting upfield, especially on passing passing situations. So I do think that he's got great yeah. size, obviously, and, and great ability. Um Great ability to work and, and can also just stuff gaps. Um, but, yeah, there's a part of the game that's not completely polished yet, and I think that's just, you know, we're going to have to see how that all pans out. The upside is huge, like and, you said. And realistically, that's what you end up getting in the second round. Um, I mean, Javon Dexter, just a couple of his strengths, yeah. I mean, he is, in my opinion, like pretty – I mean, not there with Mozzie Smith, but like he is, like in my opinion, top three run – defender at defensive tackle in this draft um his ability to just disengage is incredible like he's just so freakishly strong that he is able to disengage with complete ease with defensive linemen and a lot of that you know and the florida staff also not having a lot of talent around him you know a lot of guys they play read and react scheme almost everyone on their defensive line is getting off the snap late except some of their edge rushers which weren't asked to read and react. We're asked to just, you know, rush the passer. Right. Um, but Javon Dexter, like even when he's off the snap, he flashed his dominance and ability to get disengaged from the blocks and also, you know, take down running backs and re- just really, really good against the run. And I like that you brought that up Reese, because like, that's the thing that gives me faith in him is that he already has, and I don't, it won't be elite instantly when it gets to the NFL. Like, don't get me wrong here, but at the college level, it was elite. So he already has this elite trait that will make him a you know, quality player in the NFL regardless and get him that on the field time that he's going to need to develop into more of a, you know, pass rushing defensive tackle. Right. So he's going to be on the field a lot just because he's so good against the run. And he's, he's also going to eat up a lot of blocks because he's so good at disengaging. So even if he's not, you know, getting to the passer, it's good. Multiple guys are going to be on him frequently and he's good against the run. So that gives me faith that he'll be able to get enough on-field time and and buy himself enough time to really try to develop his, you know, game as far as rushing the passer goes. Yeah. No, most definitely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'd say overall, I think for this particular pick, I I think that I would give a solid B minus, but really close to a B personally, um, just because I do feel like there is, you know, a part of his game that is already very complete uh, and he will be ready to go for it. Um, But yeah, I just do want to see what more he can bring out. Um, But I do, you know, I, I think that especially along the offensive line, I guess we'll come to see with the defensive line. You know, I definitely trust, you know, Pohl's ability and, you know, at least his trust in his scouts for what they're looking for for the offensive line. Uh, and I really hope that that translates over to the ability to, um, you know, scout and develop on the other side of the of the trenches. Because ultimately, too, I think a part of the draft, and not to get too carried away, but I think a part of the draft that's kind of misunderstood, too, is knowing what players you can you can bring in that you can also develop too, because you know, not everyone and even some first round products are just first round uh, draft picks because 
of the unbelievable upside that people see. But a lot of them already have really high floor, but especially as you get further back in the draft, it's so much so about who can we bring in that, you know, we can really complete their game with the coaches that we have on staff. Um, but yeah, just a quick little detour right there. <laughs> and Ibraflus is known to be, you know, top of the NFL as far as player development on the defensive side goes. And I think we saw that with, you know, some of the players that we brought in this year, like even guys like Jack Sanborn, who had great years given obviously being an undrafted free agent, Kyler Gordon, who started off the year pretty rough, but grew into a better player. Kendall Vildor, who, you know, as, as much as, you know, we ended up replacing him here, he still had a great year for himself. Um, and like some of the undrafted guys, Jalen Jones, Josh Blackwell, I mean, they, they, really showed some good development as well. So I trust Ibraflus. And if Ibraflus views Javon Dexter as a guy that, you know, he can bring the most out of, I, I trust that. So no complaints here. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna give it a, yeah, I'm gonna give it a B minus just because, um, it, it wouldn't I, mainly because he's not my fit. He wasn't my favorite player. I do think he was the best defensive tackle left on the board, but I think like there was potentially some like trade up opportunities with like Keanu Benton potentially, who I think was just a better player um, that I would have preferred to see the Bears uh, strike on. But let's go ahead and move on to Tyreek Stevenson, um, round two, pick fifty six. Listen, um, Tyreek Stevenson is a physical, big body corner, um, someone that originally started off at Georgia before transferring to the University of Miami. Um, you know, at Georgia, he was playing more in the slot at Miami. He was playing a lot more outside and that's really where he saw his career take off, uh, transferred from Georgia because of kind of didn't want to play in the slot anymore. Um, you know, known to be a team leader, but also at the same time, there were a, a few character concerns in regards to like, I think he got into a bar fight that led to him getting injured, uh, and everything like that. But the, the bears viewed him as willing to take the pick on him and, in my opinion, this is one of actually, if not the best draft value that I think we had. This was a player. He was my fourth cornerback. So like right after, I mean, the top three guys were pretty simple for me, right? You have the DB from Illinois, you have Christian Gonzalez, and then you also have Joey Porter, who I was a huge fan of. Tyreek Stevenson, I thought was like right after there. Like I thought he was like, you know, end of the first high end second round pick. I know there's also a little bit of injury concerns because apparently like he had, he's had some shoulder issues um, in college and had to have a surgery, but apparently the medicals look good enough for the bears to draft. Um, Reese, what was kind of your take on, on Tyreek Stevenson when he was drafted? Yeah, I think definitely a great value at the pick. Um, I think one of my immediate takeaways was, you know, that they certainly have a type, especially for the perimeter uh, defensive back, perimeter corner uh, in this defense. And, um, you know, can't blame them for it. Uh, like you said, I do think that Tyreek has a unique skill set. Um, and I think really shown this last year when he was in Miami. Um, also just versatility, too. I mean, you love seeing a corner that can can legitimately come off the corner and blitz when called upon. Um, he's just someone that, you know, and a lot of times kind of characteristic of what, you know, Miami defensive backs were in the past and, you know, which some of them have been recently, um, just very aggressive, usually hard hitters, um, but also great at playing on the ball. So all around, uh, usually great defensive backs. And I think that, you know, 
complimentary of uh, Jalen Johnson. I think this is going to lead to a really good uh, defensive back pairing that, you know, just kind of like how Jalen Johnson has been, like someone that maybe doesn't always have all the flash. I think Tyreek Stevenson does bring a little bit more of that flash to the defense. Um, It will be a really good compliment, kind of like when we had uh, Morocco and Fuller and Amukamara, but this is going to be a lot (laughs) better than that. Uh, I definitely feel like it's going to be a lot better than that. Um, So really can't be mad with this pick. I think it's a solid B plus to A minus for me, Um, but I do love the ability that he can to play on the ball, both when it's in the air uh, and also as a tackler as well. That's also just kind of the icing on the cake when it comes to a corner is the ability to tackle well. Um, and compared mm-hmm. to some other people that are still out there, I believe, or maybe DJ Turner did go before. I can't remember. Um, you know, someone like him who is just a complete freak athlete and DJ Turner, but, you know, can be a little unreliable tackling um, or at least had a few games that were like that last year for Michigan. And I think with, like you said, the rest of the players were on the board. um, I do think that this was really just a great pickup and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how he fits on the defense and also how I know that, you know, we took a, to foreshadow a little bit for those who have been waiting on us for the draft order, which I, I really hope not. Um, but for those people, we did end up taking another another DB later on. Um, but <laughs> I am curious to see kind of how the rest of the personnel and the secondary uh, fits in. Yeah, I like how we we have fans that are, are actually waiting for us to inform them on the Bears draft picks. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said I hope they, not. They wait I mean, for us. they'd be real sad at this point. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a long wait. <laughs> um, a, a couple of things there really quickly. The other thing that I think is like super dialed in uh, to Ibraflus's type is interchangeability. Like Tyreek Stevenson can also play in the slot. He also can play safety. Um, Kyler Gordon outside, inside flexibility there as well. Um, it makes me wonder if Jalen Johnson will end up getting that second contract with us. I think that... Ibraflus with his like number one corner, at least like he's kind of just looking for a lockdown guy. And then the interchangeable interchangeability from the two in the slot um, from, or at least from the other outside corner in the slot corner. Um, So I I think it doesn't necessarily rule out Jalen Johnson coming back, but Jalen Johnson certainly is a little bit of a variation on his type. Also with Jalen Johnson, not really having much ball production throughout his career as well. Uh, Maybe that changes us here. Who knows? Um, But yeah, you know, Tyreek Steves, again, I think this is a player that's better than a handful of the corners drafted above him, um, including two guys that went in the first round, Emmanuel Forbes. I think Tyreek Stevenson's way better than Emmanuel Forbes, who went at, what, like 18 or something like that. Um, And then I also think uh, the kid from Maryland, I can't remember his name right now, um, but who the Giants drafted. I mean, I think Tyreek Stevenson's way better than him, too. So, like, the fact that you get that sort of value from a DB in round two, I think is great. Um, And honestly, like, one of the, like, easiest home run picks in the draft, and it seems like Ryan Poles is really dialed into this, is taking a DB on day two. I mean, it's just... So, so very often there's such talented corners that are still on the board in round two. I mean, Jalen Johnson's one. I mean, it's just so easy to find super talented corners in round two. Um, And that's what we did here. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give this pick in uh, a flat out A. I I, I really like this pick. Yeah, I can't fault you on that. Um I think that especially when you when you take in value, 
you can certainly make the argument for an A. Um, I'm just not wasn't someone that I necessarily targeted too much before the draft, so I guess that's why it's not a complete A or A plus for me. But you know, that's really just kind of a sad reason. At the same time, though, you know, I you know I have a little bit of hesitancy, you know, just the slightest bit. <laughs> That's that's a, I like how you had a come to Jesus moment where that you said that's that's a sad reason. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, you know, you gotta um, have a little what, bit. Of, uh, you gotta have a little bit of an opinion. What what grade did you give him though? Did you give him one already? Yeah, I said B plus. B plus. All right. All right. Respectable. All right. Moving on to round three, pick sixty four. Uh, Zach Pickens from South Carolina, uh, you know, again, another super highly recruited guy out of high school. Um, someone that has, you know, three, three technique, you know, nose tackle flexibility. Um, another big athletic guy, someone that I think is a lot more well-rounded than Jervon Dexter, to be honest. Um, like, and, and, but also maintains a lot of upside, um, Zach Pickens is just a, a really solid player. He was a leader on South Carolina and, you know, just someone that was really respected. He's someone that also showed like a lot of dedication to the program. I would say even through some tough times, I think he was raised in South Carolina, if I remember correctly, and just kind of want to play at his hometown school, um, rave rave reviews about his character and everything like that. Um, which again, just another interior defensive tackle, um, that I think is going to have interchangeability with Javon Dexter senior. I don't think that any of these picks so far were a surprise to us, Reese, because in our mock draft, we actually had, or I, I, at least I remember I had two defensive linemen and offensive tackle in a corner with the first four picks. So kind of how this happened, but we had a, more edge rushers. And I think you had the same thing, didn't you? You might've taken a corner like in round four or did you have two defensive tackles in a corner as well? Yeah. I'm saying I would have to, I'd have to look back, but I do remember that in the second round I did end up taking uh Adetoma Adeboare from Northwestern. So kind of hinting at that interior, at least where we think it would be best fit interior defensive lineman. Um, and and before that, I had gone actually with uh, Skaronsky as a first pick. So there was that offensive and then going defensive line, very much in the trenches type of deal. Um, and I think with Zach Pickens, I mean it's it's crazy how South Carolina seems to have these these crazy athletes, especially at the defensive line. Um, and I think the Zach Pickens certainly, like you said, comes in with a little bit better ability to. In passing situations, uh, maybe a little bit more well-rounded and balanced of a player at the moment, um, where naturally I feel like maybe he could slot in a little bit more at this three-tech um, with Dexter at the one-tech. Um, but I know that when we had recorded this the first time, you had seen it a little bit kind of the opposite way, um, which it could be. I, I know also, too, um, with Billings and Justin Jones, there's – it's a little bit crowded as far as the interior defensive line now. So there's kind of a little bit of figuring out to do where everyone's going to fit in best. Um, but ultimately just adding this interior, interior defensive line depth uh, as well, is just great for adding to the rotation. I mean, all the best teams in the league right now have a rotation at all the different positions, not just edge, but even in the interior um, 
all the best teams have a rotation, and that's just the best way to keep your players fresh, keep everybody active. Um, and, you know, so much, you know, football can be a really complex game, but when you control the line of scrimmage, um, things seem to get a lot more simple. And, uh, yeah, I really can't fault this pick at all. I, it wasn't someone that I really had my eyes all too much out for uh, during the build-up process, but was definitely aware of, of who he was. Um, and certainly feel like they got an impact player even here in the third round. Um, definitely someone that's solid. I think it'll be interesting to see in the preseason. Um, I, I think that he could fight um, to, to possibly start, but I do think at the very least he's going to be someone that's going to be um, – able to be rotated in either on third downs or situationally um, and and feel confident he will begin snaps, uh, you know, this coming season. And yeah, I I kind of have shifted my thinking kind of towards more what you're thinking, Reese, where Javon Dexter will probably more immediately slot in to be the nose tackle, Pickens, the three technique. And I think a part of it came from some of Alan Williams' comments where he said that Justin Jones is their three technique right now. So I think, you know, logically speaking, Jervon Dexter is kind of the, you know, I would say if you're comparing him and Justin Jones, Jervon Dexter would make a lot more sense to play at the nose tackle. And then Pickens, I think will get slotted to, you know, rotate in with Justin Jones. I, I, I did think it was a little weird that Alan Williams kind of came out and made that declaration as early as he did. Um, now, I'm sure things are totally open to change, but uh, it seems for now, Jervon Dexter will likely uh, be that nose tackle. Um, you know, Pickens is a guy, and you'll notice this with a lot of the picks that the Bears have. He was a guy that was slotted in to be a potential first round pick uh, at the start of last season. Like he has always flashed a lot for South Carolina. Um, I, I just think that they did not... The interesting thing about defensive tackle is if you're really not balanced with some good edge rushers, and this could be something that we see this season for the Bears, it can kind of limit your production. Like, you need a really good balance um, at edge rusher to have product, productive defensive tackles for the most part. So... Um, I'm going to go ahead and give this pick a flat out B plus, you know, I like it. I think double dipping at defensive tackle made sense. I think the defensive tackles that were on the board were just significantly better than a lot of the edge rush players on the board. So I don't mind it at all. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I'll give it. Yeah. I'm gonna go with a solid B on it. Um, but not to delay the process, but I do think, you know, what you brought up is a great point as far as one thing that I do like is that they don't get caught up all on the prior year's tape or I guess current year, you know, the most recent season, um, you know, going back and and looking at the full body of work, I think really shows not only how they progressed, but also what they're capable of. Cause you know, from year to year, you know, different players are asked to to do different things. Um, I think in order to get the full scope of what a player is capable of, you got to look back through the, the whole complete set of film, um, and like you said, I mean, he's someone that projected a little bit higher. Um, and when you put that into consideration, I do think it was a great value to me. It's, it's a solid B. Um, and I think he's, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, Javon Dexter is a little bit more of the project project type player and Pickens is a little bit more polished. But like you said, you know, I, I could see Dexter being the one that's getting the week one start and, uh, you know, Pickens kind of more as a rotational player. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. 
Good point. Um, okay, moving on to round four. Obviously, we traded back from the first pick in round four, uh, and we ended up taking Roshan Johnson, who I, is someone that we both had mocked in our mock draft to the Bears. Uh, just made a lot of sense. Big physical runner. Um, you know, shows explosiveness, might not have that top end speed, but still is very decisive and explosive, great contact balance, um, athletic as can be. There's, he's probably the only Bears player I can think of recently that has actively hurdled a guy in college. Um, so there's that. <laughs> uh, and someone that, you know, at <laughs> nice. Texas obviously was the backup to B. John Robinson. Um, but he was someone that, uh, you know, I, can say for a fact had a lot of opportunities to transfer out of that program and be a starting running back at other programs. Um, and he stayed loyal. Uh, Bijan says he's his favorite teammate ever. Um, he's just known as like a total coaches guy. You know, even the, I think it was the special teams coach for the bears. He was saying, Oh man, the type of guy he is. He picked up everyone's water bottles after practice. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a good story. But what type of player is he going to be on the field? You know? Um, yeah. But he is a good player. That's a good thing. <laughs> and honestly, I'm just going to say this, and I said this on our last one, but I think he instantly comes in and he's the most talented Bears running back on this team. And I think he's the most talented Bears running back since Matt Forte, to be completely honest. Like, as far as a prospect goes, you know, obviously we've had some good running backs, but. To me, like Roshan Johnson compared to David Montgomery coming back on, obviously David Montgomery was drafted above him, but just like as far as in 2019, but what a lot of people forget is 2019 was the most barren running back class of like all time where there's like no good running backs in that class. Um, But Roshan, and this is a a historically deep running back class, uh, but Roshan Johnson instantly comes in. You know, I think he's going to fight for the starting spot. If not, I think he ends up, you know, getting those second running back snaps um, and someone that's also going to be an amazing pass protecting back uh, for Justin Fields as well. Yeah, I mean, first off, a player that we both had mocked uh, in our mock draft. So we really already kind of went into the type of player that he is. And everything you said is certainly correct. And man, when have you ever seen such an outpouring of support for a fourth round draft pick? I mean, I feel like all the, yeah. the press <laughs> and the media that I've seen about that particular pick has been so overwhelmingly positive. It almost scares me. <laughs> um, but, yeah. you know, the reception has been great. Um, all his former coaches have really come you know, to bat for him, saying, talking about the leader that he is, and also the football player that he is, um, you know, and I think that he's going to have a real interesting fit into the offense and he has the ability to, to be the three down back or just a really good compliment. Um, and I think it's a good problem to have. I mean, I, I do really like Khalil Herbert and his skill set. Um, but the one thing, you know, that people are really concerned about losing with David Montgomery was the pass blocking ability. Roshan Johnson has that. I think he's a little bit quicker through the hole. He's extremely decisive. There's not too many times where you see him, um, really hesitate. Uh, there's a few times where he cuts back, but a lot of times he really just takes what's given to him. Um, and that should be a great thing with this offensive line that should be, you know, pretty darn good at run blocking. Um, I think that they're going to be able to, 
for the holes that they were able to pave out last year, I think that they should be able to do it even better. Um, that bodes very well for Roshan Johnson. Um, he can get involved in the passing game. So really has all three elements that you look for, uh, you know, maybe the quirkiness of the, he can throw a ball, uh, since he is a former quarterback. So you got yeah. that trick play option as well. And, and um, a super but, you know, highly recorded quarter recruited quarterback as well. Like he was a good, like a good quor- right. uh, quarterback going into college. Exactly. So I think all in all, I mean, this is a love it a plus pick uh, for me also because it's a home run because we really both had him. Actually, you had him a little bit later than this uh, in your mock draft. And this is right around the territory uh, where I had him. Uh, And I I think that this is just it's for me. It's really hard to see a way that this pick does not work out uh, positively. Yeah, you had to throw it in there, Reese, didn't you? I, I just want to let you know that you and Ryan Poles are getting worse values than me on the draft board. You know, I'm just getting these I'm getting these steals late in the draft, like Roshan Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just like the people but, have the ridiculous it, mocks and are like, wow, I mean, didn't expect them, but this is just what came to me. And it's like, oh, man, <laughs> like you're some kind of sleuth. How would you figure this one out? Huh? <laughs> that was me on, on uh, fan speak. <laughs> um, but yeah. It, 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 yeah. Something else that I thought was very telling, and I don't know if you noticed this, but actually I think you said you were fishing during the time when this this part of the draft was actually occurring, which, you know. That that's okay, I suppose. Um, but it is um, okay. <laughs> DeAndre Swift was uh, was DeAndre Swift was traded almost immediately after the Bears made this pick. So to me, that kind of gave me a sense like, huh, maybe this was a guy the Eagles had their eyes on. Um, so like that gives me you know another bit of faith and um, also key special teamer. And the other thing for as you know you know quick and you know twitchy as Khalil Herbert can be. Not the best catch, uh, pass catching back, whereas Roshan's actually pretty good at that. Um, and then one last comment about David Montgomery. One of the biggest criticisms I think I had of him is he's he was so patient that at times he kind of screwed himself over. Like he would patiently let a hole open up, but he'd only get like two of the five yards needed, right? Or he'd get, you know, just back to the line of scrimmage rather than getting caught in the backfield. And it's like, all right, that's good, but like, Having a, and I think that's what Khalil Herbert really exposed is Khalil Herbert. He he is also pretty good at shaking tackles, but he just does it with so much less wasted movement, you know. And that's kind of a similar way that I view Roshan Johnson. Um, Roshan also kind of reminds me of like, in a way, like AJ Dillon. Um, I you know different different players, but uh, in the similar mold to like you know freak athlete, you know, really strong player. Um, I also compared him in our pre-draft one to like a, like a not as fast, but bigger, like Austin Eckler, where he's going to be like a weight room warrior. Uh, and like he, he plays in a similar way, I'd say. Um, but like, I just think he's going to be instantly a fan favorite um, and a coach's favorite. And he's going to be key special teamer, which with fourth round picks matters. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to give it an A plus. And then let's go ahead and move on to our second round four pick, Tyler Scott, um, at pick one thirty three. Honestly, I I wasn't super dialed in um, to Tyler Scott prior to the draft, if I'm being completely honest. But you know, he's a a very fast, um, athletic, uh, maybe you know, a little thinner wide receiver out of Cincinnati, um, explosive player. 
you know, has all the routes in his bag, needs a little bit of refinement in certain ways, but he can run any route uh, for the most part. Um, and was actually previously a former running back going into Cincinnati and someone that I think after watching a lot of his film post draft, someone that I really, really have grown to like a lot more since our pre-draft, uh, podcast or post draft podcast, I should say. Um, you know, as soon as he was picked a lot of, uh, you know, the people on TV, you know, draft analysts, other insiders like ourselves, uh, they were, they were saying how good of a pick it was. And I was like, okay. And you know, typically with these smaller wide receivers, I'm kind of on a wait and see basis. I mean, I'll admit it. I was not a huge fan of the Darnell Mooney pick just because a lot of these small, you know, little quick wide receivers just tend to not work out. But Tyler Scott really has a few interesting things to his game. A, he's very, very explosive. I think he's actually just on film, I think much faster than Darnell Mooney, even though the tape might say otherwise. Um, and he is, he he has some errors in his routes. Like he really rushes into his breaks and out of his breaks. Like that's kind of his, I would say my biggest criticism on him. But he is so unbelievably fast, really good at tracking the ball. I think similar to Darnell Mooney, plays bigger than he is in the sense where he can take on a little bit of contact. Darnell Mooney isn't as good as that as Tyler Scott, in my opinion. But Tyler Scott can go up there and play a little more physical against the DB. Um, He's really good in the deep intermediate um, range. And he is just a, a... a huge threat. I think he averaged 17 yards per catch, um, which is pretty similar to what Justin Fields was averaging per throw pretty much last season. Um, And then on top of that, one of my favorite things about him, and I think this is the most underrated aspect to his game and where I think he really separates himself from someone like a Darnell Mooney is he's actually, you know, having that running back background pretty damn elusive when he gets the ball in his hands. Like, and I don't think that's said enough, I would say, uh, through the national media coverage of Tyler Scott. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of this pick. Yeah. I like that you brought up that last part. I mean, yards after catches is a huge component that sometimes isn't talked about enough. Um, but yeah, the one thing that you really kind of hit at that I think is my favorite part about, uh, drafting Tyler Scott is just to open up the verticality of this offense a little bit. Um, I feel like this offense is really just dying for someone that can, can, you know, take and carry the defense deep, especially over the middle of the field. Um, and the thought of, of Justin Fields throwing dots to this man, you know, deep over the middle, but splitting the safeties, uh, something along those lines, I think that's definitely exciting to picture. Um, and it's not, it's not too hard to picture, especially with the, the speed that you brought up that he brings to his game. Uh, it does not bother me about his size. I mean, I do think that, you know, with DJ Moore and, and Chase Claypool now, I do think that the Bears have um, enough jump ball ability uh, in their wide receiver room. Um, and I think that, you know, like you said, Darnell Mooney has the ability to play a little bit bigger than he is and go up there and high point the ball, uh, which is a little bit of a lost art with, with some of these receivers coming out of this class. Um, but I think Tyler Scott, just the ability to stretch the stretch the defense um, and have like a Deshaun Jackson type impact, not saying he will yeah. be, but that kind of impact, a Will Fuller type impact, if you will, um, and hopefully a little more healthy. Uh, but I, I think that that's the kind of thing that this offense is, is aching for a little bit. Um, and I think that definitely Tyler Scott's going to give the ability um, for that part of the offense to get opened up. 
And once you get that, and once you start with this great running game the Bears are going to have, incorporating that with play action, that's when you're going to hit some real big plays, uh, and big plays change games. So, you know, a possible game-changing type player. He's going to be like the the third, or he's going to be the fourth wide receiver on this team. Like that, this wide receiver room is really, really deep, and I am really impressed by the way that how this has been transformed in pretty much the matter of a year. Um, like it's it's really a testament to Ryan Poles. I think he's done a great job with it. And like what you're saying, like Deshaun Jackson, like when I was watching a lot of Tyler Scott's film, it just brought me back to thinking about like some of the ways where Justin Fields was the most efficient in the passing game at Ohio state was when he was passing the ball to Chris Olave, you know, Chris Olave wasn't even the best wide receiver on the team, but he, his Chris Olave skill set just paired so well with Justin Fields. And that's how I, I like, it was hard to not watch Tyler Scott and see a lot of what Chris Olave was doing for Justin Fields and when he was at Ohio State in Tyler Scott's game that he was doing in Cincinnati. Now, they didn't use him one for one. Like, I'll even say Tyler Scott reminds me also a lot. I know these are lofty comparisons, but like as someone who's like a huge USC fan, he was used in a very, very similar way to Jordan Addison, how he was used at USC. Like as far as like how the coaching staff was using them, it was honestly almost identical to be completely honest. The types of routes they would run um, when they'd get targeted um, it was really, really good. Um, and I can see him being kind of like a B grade Jordan Addison, you know, maybe not as, you know, technically refined with his routes, but a little quicker than Addison is and, you know, similar builds, you know, I, I just, man, I, I'm going to give the bears two a pluses in a row. This is an a plus pick in my opinion. Yeah. I'd say for me, it's a, it's a solid a, um, you know, I do think that, like you said, not everything's completely refined, but, you know, this is the, you know, the later rounds that we're talking about now. Um, so, you know, obviously you're, you're going to be projecting a player that's not completely refined. Um, you know, definitely parts of the game to be worked on. But yeah, man, I mean, exactly. I, I can picture, you know, as much, you know, I think it's noted at this point, you know, being a Michigan fan. You know, unfortunately, I've seen so many of these plays where, you know, Justin Fields, you know, hitting that deep post. And that's just what I'm looking for in this mm-hmm. offense, man. <laughs> they could have gone out here, you know, and gotten Jalen yep. Hyatt. And I would have been at peace knowing that, you know, maybe I'll see a couple bombs every now and then. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Great. Great point. Um, and like, to be honest, if you saw some of the stuff, Tyler, if Tyler Scott was doing some of the stuff he was doing at Cincinnati, for like a bigger name school, like at USC or Michigan or, or I mean, he would have went way higher uh, in the draft. Like, I think that there's a lot of players that we've seen come out of Alabama that have been drafted higher than Tyler Scott that shared maybe less of, uh, uh, not even as great of a skill set. And that's not naming a specific player. Like I'm, I'm not saying that Tyler Scott's better than like Jameson Williams or something like that. That's not the case, but there are players that come out of Alabama that are uh, at the end of the day, mediocre wide receivers, but get overdrafted. Right. Cause they play for Alabama. Whereas I think this might be a little bit of the opposite case scenario here with uh, Tyler Scott. All right. I'm going to move on. You know, just another damn good pick, man. Noah Sewell fifth round pick 146, 148, big linebacker. Uh, someone who was super, super, and if you don't understand a trend yet, super highly recruited coming into high school. 
last year was projected to go in the first round of the NFL draft. You know, new coaching staff comes into Oregon. Defense is a little different. Doesn't play it. No Sewell, you know, t- regresses, honestly. Uh, plays a lot less fast um, and, and just isn't kind of the same player. Still a great running uh, linebacker for them, but not uh, didn't look as instinctive or as, you know, rangy as he did the year prior. It almost seemed like they asked him to bulk up a little bit because as I keep watching the film from the year before, uh, so what was it, 2021 versus last year, I it just seems like he just seems bigger. And like, I don't know if they asked him to bulk up, um, but he just seems like a bigger dude. Ideally will likely come in and, and play, you know, he, he's going to end up playing mostly against the run. I would assume to start, but I'm guessing they're going to ask him to slim down a little bit um, and get some of that range back, but end up being our third linebacker. Um, man, I, I hate to gush about another pick, but I just love this pick, man. I mean, this is, a a guy that was just a year ago projected to go in the first round. Yeah, I think uh, with Noah Sewell, I, I I do I do like the pick. Um, I think I'm a little a little lower on um, him than you, just because I know that like in pass defense, I don't know if I'm a complete believer yet. Um, but man, in run defense, you know, certainly someone that just has those instincts. Um, and I think especially at the value at, at where the Bears picked him is crazy. Um, so it's hard not to give anything, you know, lower than a, than like a B plus uh, in this scenario. Um, I do really like his ability to play. I, I did mention on the last recording that you know, like maybe I could see them possibly flirting with keeping him at, at or moving him to edge. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I do think that he'll end up being linebacker. Uh, but at the same time, I, I do really like his ability to to play. And he's also someone that you know can effectively be effectively used in blitz packages. Like you said, had a crazy good twenty twenty one. You know things changed up, coaching changes in twenty twenty two slowed up his game a little bit. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it is hard not to like this pick. Um, and now the Bears have you know crazy good depth in that linebacker room. Um, you know, very much like the wide receiver room, just kind of a completely different scenario. Well, I guess if you include the beginning of the season having Roquan Smith, but when you look back at where the season ended, just completely different to, to what they had. Yeah, and this was a pick that we got, uh, if I remember correctly, from the Ravens, right? So, you know, I actually I could be wrong on that, but I think we got from the Ravens, but, you know, Ryan Poles essentially took Roquan Smith and turned it into a full linebacker trio um, with that trade, you know, obviously using the cap space and then uh, the pick on Noah Sewell and then also uh, drafting. He also got Javon Dexter on top of that. So uh, really a masterclass there from Ryan Poles and something that I think will really be viewed as kind of one of the trades that, you know, jumpstarted this Bears team the most, to be honest, uh, or jumpstarted our rebuild, I should say. You know, I'm if you get the player that you got last year, and that's what I'm going to give this grade off of, I think it's going to be a, a B. But if you get the player, if you're able to get the player that he was in 2021, it's going to be a home run. Like, it's not even going to be close. Um, so, yeah, I think that's something to keep in mind. But I'm just going to give it a flat B for now. Um, but, you know, fifth round pick, no, no soul, great pick. Um Next fifth round pick, Terrell Smith. Someone that I wasn't very familiar with uh, going into the draft. Um, 
to be honest, but someone that, again, as soon as the Bears picked him, a lot of dialed-in draft analysts really started gushing about this pick. Big cornerback, um, you know, great. It seemed like uh, very has a lot of different, um, very versatile is what I'm trying to get at here. Um, <laughs> Spit it up. I, I, it's late. It's late. I know. Um, <laughs> very versatile player. Really jumped on the scene when he first got there at Minnesota and didn't, I would say, live up entirely to expectations until that last year where he actually started playing really, really good. Um, you know, I, I just think it's a good pick, fifth round pick, add more DB, uh, add more DB uh, depth. And and the Bears finally have a DB room after we've been calling it for like five years, a DB room, a wide receiver room, and a linebacker room that actually has depth. Right. That's that's a shocker for us Bears fans. Right. But if injuries happen, we're going to be OK. It's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah. And, you know, the secondary injuries do happen, unfortunately. And I think they did add a really good depth piece. I, I feel like, you know, the Minnesota kind of had a sneaky good secondary over the years. And with Terrell Smith, I, I can't really pin down exactly where he's going to be utilized. Like you said, you know, someone that has great size, great athletic ability, um, and really came came on this past year as far as, you know, his play and, and production on the field. Um, so I am, I am curious to see what he can do. Wasn't quite on my radar coming out, but, you know, uh, you know, get into this part of the draft. It's tough to tough to know everybody, um, but at the same time, I do think that they get quality player here. Like you said, building depth in the secondary. It's like building depth on on each of the lines as well. Just something that that is a smart way to go ahead and build your roster. I mean, you know, not that the Falcons are the model of how anything should be done, but look at the players that they're adding to their secondary. I mean, they've <laughs> completely revamped it, um, and you know, it's something that in today's NFL, there's so many instances where nickel packages are needed more too. So that means that oftentimes on the field, you have five DBs um, rather than just four. And, you know, the attrition in the league can just get crazy sometimes. So I, I think overall for me, this pick was a solid B minus. I, I have to admit, not the most educated person on Terrell. Uh, but I, from what I've seen, do believe that he can make an impact uh, and definitely excited to see what he brings out on the field in the preseason. I would say the same thing, B minus as well. And, uh, you know, for the seventh round picks, I'm, you know, it's going to be, I'm not going to say I'm going to give a grade to them. I'll read off the names, but uh, if you have anything to say about them, but Travis Bell, seventh round from Kennesaw State, first player ever drafted from Kennesaw State. Um, I think they've actually only had a program for like five years um, now, but, you know, apparently Ryan Pohl says he's a, you know, great person. I, again, I don't know anything really about him and you can't even find film on him. I mean, that's how like unknown um, he really is. So I, I really can't honestly say much about him. He looks like a, a, a freak athlete though on the small bits of film that I've seen um, like insane, get off like ridiculous, get off that. Like if he could teach anything to Javon Dexter, I mean, that'd be wonderful. And then Kendall Williamson, which I, you know, I know a little bit about, I know that he's, it's just at times with that Stanford program, it can be hard to evaluate players because you just never, they just haven't, they've really struggled to get any sort of consistency around that program. Um, so I, I, you know, he, he had a pick in practice already off of, I don't know who, but a cornerback that they brought in. So 
good for him. So you're and getting matches, an A plus matches me, the amount buddy. he had in his college career. So there you go. <laughs> right, but I guess he's playing safety for us. So yeah, um, I don't know if you have any comments on Travis Bell, uh, unless uh, oh, otherwise you can go ahead and give your grade overall for this Bears draft, Reese. Yeah, no, no. I'll give a couple comments. I mean, um, in the case of Travis Bell, like you said, that the film isn't exactly easy to come by. Um, but man, from what I have seen, I do like it and, you know, very prototypical, um, uh, of what Iberfus wants has the ability to, to play really kind of anywhere along the line, obviously more naturally, uh, an interior defensive lineman, but that kind of saw state and the film and like the few plays that you can, can, you know, wrangle up, uh, you will see him play in different spots along the defensive line. Like you said, um, pretty quick burst, good first step. Um, so overall, I mean, Ari, just to have those positives laid out, I think is, is a good pick in the seventh round. Kendall Williamson. Elite program. Yeah, up and coming for sure. Um, and, uh, I was just joking when I said elite. <laughs> and then uh, Kendall Williamson, I think that I think you probably have more of the chance to watch him given that you're watching more of those Pac-12 games out there. Um, but I definitely oh, yeah. do stay in tune, do stay in touch, you know, enjoy some of the, you know, what in central time here is like 930 p.m. kickoffs. You know, I'm all for college football all day. So, you know, it, it is a great way to finish it all up, but have not seen quite enough of him uh, to make a good determination, at least looking at, you know, his body of work seems like he's a physical kind of guy, not necessarily a ball hawk at the safety position, um, but definitely physical. Um, ended up forcing a couple fumbles, got in the backfield, got some TFLs and sacks. Um, so, you know, someone that's very active, and, you know, especially um, I think someone that you could play in the box as well. And, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how, how he fits in, obviously, as well. With a DB like this, you do think special teams as well um, for this kind of player at this kind of pick. Uh, but yeah, all in all, I think, you know, if I had to give an overall grade, I'm sitting pretty happily with a, with a B plus on this Bears draft. Um, I do feel like it was really strong. I feel like they took uh, a good variety of players as well, with, you know, varying skill sets, um, you know, complementary to what they already had on the roster, but not letting that overly affect their determination, the players that they got. I think they got some players with, you know, high floors like Darnell Wright uh, and with high ceilings like Javon Dexter, um, even Pickens you can throw in there. Um, and, and I think that really um, the different position groupings they hit at were, were interesting and, you know, interesting that they left off edge. But at the same time, I think that really it just shows that the Bears stuck to what their board gave them. Um, and they weren't high on any of the players when they were coming around picking uh, or didn't feel like they're any more valuable than the players that they did pick. Um, and I, I like the integrity that they had throughout the draft. So feel confident saying B-plus as a fan walking away pretty happy with what they did. Yeah, and that's honestly something that I love about the Bears draft, honestly. I know a lot of Bears fans were upset with the edge, and like we get it. That's like a big need. But Ryan Poles is like just letting it all come to him, you know, and and I, I think that's the right move. Like all the edge rushers went off so early and that tends to happen, but like they went off really, really early. Like even guys like Derek Hall, who I thought was going to be there in the third round, potentially going off the board, high second round, you know, Felix Anaduke Uzama, who we were both extremely high on, but viewed him that we thought he'd probably go in the second round, even though I do like the pick for the Chiefs. 
Um, just went again really early. Um, so not reaching on one of those guys and just taking what this draft in particular gave us, which, you know, was some good defensive tackle, some good depth at a lot of positions and a great offensive tackle and a, and a great corner. Um, you know, the other thing before I give the bears grade, I'll say is uh, I, you know, I might need to switch my grade to Kendall Williamson as an F considering really my, my, one of my few exposures to Stanford football is actually just watching Caleb Williams dunk on their secondary all game long. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know testament. how much that, yeah. And it, you know, Caleb Williams is in my opinion, probably the best, you know, NFL prospect at quarterback in like the past, you know, in the 21st century, to be honest, in my opinion, but, um, he, I like grade, at the end of the, valid, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, so it's it's hard to say for Kendall Williamson, but you know, Stanford that was not actually irregular getting their well, second. Kendall completely Williamson completely done, done. was my highest grade safety in the twenty first century. <laughs> so how about that? <laughs> he he was actually the my highest grade safety on the board this draft. We got <laughs> yeah. the uh, The Bears walked um, with a complete steal. I had him above everyone. I had him above a branch, <laughs> you know, it didn't matter. <laughs> Higher grade than Minka Fitzpatrick in 2017. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. But at the end of the day, I think this again is like an A minus draft to me. It's like, it's nothing. It, it's not anything extremely sexy until you get to like Roshan Johnson and Tyler Scott. But like those again are fourth round picks. So like, I just think it's going to be a good fundamental draft kind of in the same way that last year's draft was for us as well. Um, and I think that it's going to place us in a position where next year when we have two first round picks and like in, again, what Reese you've referred to as like one of the greatest all time draft classes really potentially. So. Yeah. I think that's going to be um, this is revolutionary for the NFL too. Yeah. <laughs> Having two picks there, like that's, that could be where you get your splash players. You know, this, this draft will serve as the foundation potentially for that draft. So, um, Overall, like I think that this is this is a you know a minus. I uh, just the only my only criticism is it's not there's there's not very you know it's not the the sexiest draft and and that's okay. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean, this was really a, a tear down uh, when polls had stepped in, and you need to build those those fundamentals, you know, before you can get the glitz and the glam. Um, and I, I think it was was a great. Great draft, uh, a great way to, uh, you know, a great way to kind of kickstart the offseason once again after free agency, at least primarily, had wrapped up and, you know, heading into the undrafted free agency. Um, but, yeah, I think all in all, um, that's what I had to say about the draft. I think I really can't wait to, to get into more of the offseason coverage, uh, break down some of the more, you know, nitty gritty topics and get into even some of these undrafted free agents as we become more familiar with them uh, and who we think can make an impact in camp uh, moving forward to the, to the regular season. Um, but, man, yeah, it seems like we got a long way to go. Uh, but, hey, oh, yeah. it, it does tend to go by fairly quickly. Well, somewhat quickly and then i'm not a huge baseball guy so it kind of feels like a drag <laughs> some of the times but you know it is what it yeah. is we are where we are and the hawks got the first overall pick so at least we yeah. get to have the nhl draft uh we get to 
to go ahead and go crazy over Connor Bedard. Who will it ever be? That's the yeah. big question, right? It's no question at all. <laughs> Who will they pick? <laughs> it's not I even know. a question. It, it, it's funny. Uh, but yeah, no, I completely agree. And before we go ahead and sign off, I have like one final question. And that's no, and I, I've been thinking <laughs> about this for a little bit. Yeah, no, no more question. One final question. Is the Lions running back room actually better this year than last year? I am a pretty big fan of Jameer Gibbs. Like, I'm not saying that they should have picked him where he picked him, but I would have been absolutely ecstatic if the Bears picked him. So, yes, that's all I'm going to no, say. No, I agree with but that. I agree it, with like, that. Swift I'm, was good, but that man couldn't stay on the field. So, if Gibbs can stay healthy, that's automatically an upgrade. I, and I just think that I feel like Williams, Javonta Williams, is is better than David Montgomery. Jamal? To be honest. So, like... Sorry, Jamal. Yeah. It's it's late. Um, Jamal Williams is better than David Montgomery. And, you know, I you know, I think that I yeah, I don't think David Montgomery is gonna be breaking uh his record next year. For, <laughs> I will say that. For the twelfth overall pick in twenty one million dollars over three years, I would have expected this running back room to be a little bit better, if I'm being completely honest. But that's for another day. Um yeah, but yes, fair. again. Thank you guys so much. Um, we appreciate your support, and uh, we're going to keep trying to get these out more constantly for you guys. So thanks for staying tuned. All right. Yep. Bear down. Bear down.